This is Conversations with Corliss, the podcast that features real and inspiring people who are leading their lives with purpose, passion, and confidence. Through their stories, advice, and expertise, you will be empowered with tools and insights to become the leader you are meant to be. Your host, Corliss, is a Dare to Lead trained, certified success principles coach, best-selling author, and inspirational speaker. As an entrepreneur for more than two decades, she has coached, trained, and mentored thousands to tap into their personal power and realize their potential. Through her company, Corliss Co., she will help you dream again and break through what holds you back from leading the life you want to have. Connect with her today at corliss.ca. Hi, everyone. This is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it. My name is Corliss, and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. With my kids more independent and my career not as fulfilling as it once was, I found myself wondering if this was it and what was next for me. I went looking for answers to recreate my life, and I found them in having meaningful conversations with inspiring people. That's what we'll do here for you. Whatever you're looking for, I'm glad you're here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. This episode is sponsored by Diana Lee, the author of Silently Said. I believe with all my heart that underneath we as human beings are all the same. We have different circumstances and backgrounds, but underneath we're really all the same. We all have fears, experience struggle, and at times feel lost and alone. We may even question our value or purpose. This is why hearing the raw, real, and vulnerable stories of others helps us. We don't feel so alone in navigating life, and by learning how others rise through the storm, we become inspired that we too can do the same. I read Silently Said, and I'm so honored to share my experience. Often, it takes me a while for me to get into a book, and most books I don't even finish, but not this book. I was engaged from the first chapter, and I truthfully did not want to put it down. It was both heartwarming and heartbreaking. The wisdom is timeless, and it will help you view your own life differently. This is a must-read, and I highly encourage you to get your copy today. Nestled in a quaint and quiet small town just down a dusty gravel road lived a family plagued with a mystery they can't solve. Diana, born in March of 1978, the youngest of four children, all born within six years, is caught in the crossfires of distress battling her own illness and the ones haunting the family. Diana and her siblings must make their way in the world as their mother's health fails and their father's alcoholism strangles the family system. Roles shift, no longer dependent on age or ability, but who can do the job. They say lightning doesn't strike twice in the same spot, but as luck would have it, for the Kirk family it does. With flight or fight ignited, Diana operates in full survival mode. A writer at heart, Diana harnessed the healing powers of writing. This is her healing journey. This is episode 062, Transform Your Trauma with Diana Lee. A wise person once said, if you do not transform your pain, you will transmit it. This is profound wisdom, and in today's conversation, we explore how to transform yours. You see, everyone experiences trauma in life, and when it goes unhealed, it not only impacts you, but everyone around you. You have seen this before when someone overreacts or their behavior is really difficult to understand. Unhealed trauma often triggers old hurts and unresolved issues. Here's the other thing. Sometimes we think of trauma only as big catastrophic events, and because we see them this way, we may minimize our experience or compare our challenges to others, telling ourselves that we should just be okay. Here is what I know. Hard is hard. There is no comparison, and we shouldn't deny our feelings. One person may be going through a cancer journey while another goes through divorce. Both are difficult and traumatic. Please give yourself some grace as you navigate your life. 
Today, I am so happy to share this conversation with the author of Silently Said, Diana Lee. Diana has an incredible story of transforming your trauma into something meaningful and beautiful. I am so truly honored to give you an opportunity to learn from her today. So welcome back to the show, Diana. I am really thrilled that you're here. Thank you for showing up to share your story with us today and help us all transform our trauma into something meaningful and beautiful in our lives. Thank you, Corliss, for having me. So how about if we begin with, I mean, there's so many places we could begin because your story is so incredible and you have so much to share. But what I'd like to really begin with is let's talk about trauma. Can you define what it means? Because it takes many forms. It doesn't just come in one particular way. Yes. So trauma, I've done a lot of research on trauma. I'm actually in an emotional intelligence course with Daniel Goldman right now. And I've signed up for a trauma workshop with Gabor Mate. So there's been significant um, research recently um, on trauma and it affects on both your mind and your body. So for me, trauma can be a significant event, which my book silently said chronicles quite a bit of. It can be, you know, childhood neglect. Um, it can be, I know Corliss and I have talked about this before, when your children leave home, it can be an event where you didn't stand up for yourself or someone else um, and you push those feelings inside. So anytime that we are disingenuine to ourselves or someone else is in control of a situation that we you know, we're not in charge of that. So for myself as a child, I was born into trauma. They've proven that trauma in the womb can affect the baby. Um, trauma has a lot of long lasting physical and psychological effects. And now with the studies that are being done in a lot of them in Canada, some lots in the United States as well, they are, are really seeing that a lot of the trauma is related to illnesses. I suffered from pretty bad uh, asthma as a child, which is also in the book. And with that, uh, they've linked childhood asthma to uh, chronic trauma. Hmm. You know, it always amazes me, especially as a coach. And as I listen to people's stories, and I even do interviews like this one, read your book. It's unbelievable to me how much people go through in their lives and how much they have to continue to rise up and and get past all of the things that happen to them in their lives. And, you know, just listening to you describe what trauma really is, I would say, that most people experience trauma at some point in their lives. Would you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent. And sometimes we, we kind of put it into a different framework, like we're being sensitive or, you know, that other people's feelings matter more than ours. But anytime that you're being traumatized, it doesn't have to be a major life event it's those small little things that can happen over and over where you deny yourself your ability to speak up for yourself or allow yourself to feel how you feel. So trauma is, is universal, but it's also transformative depending on what you do with it. There's a lot of lessons in your trauma. Hmm. Wow. I want to pull it back and, and I won't share or disclose the story exactly of where this came from, but it's a true story of something that happened just not that long ago with someone that I love and care about where they were, you know, in a situation, in an environment that was really hard on them. And it was, it was causing them to feel really bad about themselves kind of continuously, you know, the environment, the people, it was just not a good situation. And in, you know, a moment of, I guess, breakdown, you know, this person shared with me how difficult it was and that they were just needing to push through and, you know, suck it up and keep moving forward. And all I could see was this is a traumatic experience. And perhaps there's, there would be, it would be healthy to actually exit this or to change the environment instead of just feeling like you have to push through. Do you find a lot of people in their lives, they just feel like, oh, I just got to, toughen up and be stronger and keep going and, you know, figure it out. And do you find that they do that a lot just to kind of cope? 
Yes. And I found that that was who I was for a number of years until I started kind of peeling the layers back. Lots of us through no fault of our own or our parents, um, we were raised with the idea that you've got to just kind of put up and shut up and plow through and your worth was tired tied to how hard you work um what value you can be to others which is wonderful to be a value to others but you have to be a value to yourself and what i found was that when i was doing something that was genuine in my own self i was you know i was called selfish um because obviously our trauma bleeds on to others so if you know that that may trigger something in someone else if you're if you're succeeding or you've been working hard and you've gotten to a place where you're really proud of what you've gone through and how you've overcome sometimes people will stand in judgment of that and you kind of get lost in in their seeking their validation but the only true validation that you really need is from your own heart and you always know when your alignment is right with that other people because of the way that we were raised i was a child and born in 1978 uh all of the trauma that happened even you know globally there's generational trauma my dad obviously was traumatized if you read through the book i don't talk about his story i don't know his whole story but to become the person that he became it's obvious and then that's a generational thing so lots of times we're born into things and we think that this is normal but it's it's not it's not a normal way to deny yourself how you feel and if we learn and and teach the next generation and ourselves uh, a skill set to try and cope with all of the emotions we won't just become mentally better and stronger we'll become physically better and stronger Wow. You said a lot there. There's a lot because trauma, like you said, it can even be passed down through the, through the ages. There's a, there's a quote that goes something like, if you don't transform your pain, you transmit it. And I think that's a lot of where her healing journey begins. It starts with us. Otherwise it, it bleeds into others. Like you said. Yes. And it's really sad because we think it's our normal, right? We think that this is how it's supposed to be, even though on a, on a human level in our own selves, we know this isn't right. And that's why um, I would say lots of people will seek out personality types that are of the person that traumatized them. So I had this happen to me many times through my life and I was getting frustrated and going, what's wrong with me? right? Or why, or blaming them, right? They're, they're inconsiderate. They're all of these things, but there was two problems here. I hadn't dealt with my trauma. So it kept showing up in different people. When you peel their faces away, I could find that, that one person um, that had that common personality type. It was a thread through every person that was causing me the same sort of pain. So it's going to keep showing up until we start dealing with it. And then there's the whole generational trauma, where as soon as you realize that your parents or your perpetrator have also been traumatized, you go, okay, maybe I need to look at why I'm attracting these people and then once you sort that out, you're able to let that be, right? So a big part of trauma healing is in the, you got to do the work. You got, you got to figure a way to deal with that trauma. Lots of us, uh, there's lots of addictions um, and addictions is a broad word. Uh, you can be addicted to your cell phone. It's not just, you know, drugs and alcohol addictions take many forms. You can be addicted to your work. Um, some people I, I watch and they can't be alone because as soon as they're alone and they're not doing anything, they're thinking. And then when they think they scare themselves because there's all of those feelings that they've stuffed down for literally years and they don't know what to do with it and the way that they cope is just by overworking or or just doing things to try and keep their mind distracted when really the biggest thing that you can do for yourself is come back to your breath and give yourself a few minutes 
sometimes it's through journaling, reading, listen to a good podcast like Corliss's, get with some like-minded people and work your way through sometimes in baby steps with what you can digest and what resonates with you and figure out kind of how you can move through it so you don't find that same person who's going to treat you the same way that you've been treated all these years because essentially you think you deserve it but you know in your soul that you don't. Mm, wow. I almost feel like you're talking about breaking a cycle. So it kind of begins with healing ourselves. So acknowledging it, you know, you can't, I mean, you can't change what you won't acknowledge. So if you really acknowledge, you know, that was a significant event in my life that kind of traumatized me. I actually think collectively, even the pandemic and, and the things that happened in there, there was an element of trauma that was associated with that for every person in in a different way, perhaps, but it was still there. So if you acknowledge it and you kind of learn and understand it, then you can start to heal it. And when we heal it, now we're putting ourselves in a place of not only bettering our lives, but actually breaking the cycle that it would continue in, in other people that we're influencing as well. Would you say? I would agree. And when I think back to the pandemic, I was lucky enough to have my children and husband at home, but there was a lot of people who were alone. And studies have proven that we're we're a community society. And we do best when we have people. Now, those people should be people that want to see you win, that are clapping for you, that are loving you. But loneliness, which is part of the issues my dad had when he was getting older, is he pushed everybody away because he couldn't deal with his trauma. And then, you know, loneliness is trauma as well, because you sit there by yourself thinking. And like I just said earlier, we're so busy. We're a society that gives you accolades if you're busy Um, you know, running here and there and everywhere. But at the same time, we were all forced to collectively as a world stop. And we're now seeing the effects of that, like way back when it was, you know, communities were 150 to 300 people, you could trust that your community was going to look out for you and for your children. Everybody had certain strengths and they were utilized. And now we're supposed to do everything We're supposed, some of us have to be the mom and dad in our family. Some of us have to take care of our parents. Um, You know, there's so many things that we have on our plate that we weren't designed as humans to be doing. So trauma can be even just overloading yourself so you can find some significance in the world. But you have to be really vulnerable when you go through the experience of healing your trauma because it's in that innate vulnerability where you will figure out exactly what situations trigger you. And then you can kind of pivot yourself. You got to kind of think about, you know, like there are certain, I, I work for a municipality and sometimes I was very afraid of men and I work with all men and I was raised with men, but my fear was they're judging me because of the judgment I received when I was young. So I was very nervous and anxious and afraid in my meetings. And then once I started journaling, I literally filled up three journals in six months after leaving a workplace that was very toxic. And after I let that go, and that's when I was able to start kind of moving forward, but I had to get really honest with myself and it's not judging yourself. That's, that's, you should never judge your trauma. Just let it be. Sometimes I took my journals and I burned them because it's like, okay, that's, that's where I was. And now where do I want to go? Right. And, and boundary setting is a skill set. I think that we need to teach the next generation because lots of us didn't know how to set boundaries. So we were chronic yes people because we didn't want to upset people because we were taught that that was the nice and polite thing to do. But in doing that, we're traumatizing ourselves because we're saying yes when we really mean no. And then we back out anyways. And then we feel even more guilty. Whereas if we just do the upfront, honest conversations, which that's a whole skill set that could have a class, um, then you feel better, right? And actually that person knows it's coming from a genuine place. You say a genuine yes, and they see your eyes light up. 
you know, and they know everybody feels it. it it's a wonderful experience. Mm, yeah, so good. So, okay, let's talk about Okay, we know that everybody goes through trauma. I mean, and it can take many shapes, many forms, and we want to heal it. And when you heal it, you start to feel a sense of freedom and a sense of peace, and it starts to show in your face, in your body language. It it exudes out of you for sure. So let's talk about you know how we can transform tra- like all of your trauma into something beautiful. So one thing that I was just thinking of is that when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? So you can't force it. You can't just say, okay, today I'm going to let go of all my trauma and I'm done, right? It's a a process and you got to start with kind of those baby steps. Um, I remember walking in, I think it was 2018, November, and Corliss had an event in Saskatoon I signed up for. And I had left my job the year before. And I walked in to kind of a mess at my new place of employment. And I had lost two really good friends that passed away. And my dad wasn't doing well. And I did not look well. Um, I had pushed down and pushed through for a lot of years. And I just, it's, it's reaching out for some sort of help. Now, you don't necessarily have to go to a, you know, an event, but you know, when you start looking at the internet has lots of, you know, free podcasts like this, you go on YouTube, watch some videos. I've got kind of my favorites. I listen to a lot of audiobooks that are all, all surrounding um, personal growth. So my first step for personal growth, and it always was as a kid was to pick up a pen and a piece of paper. And so that's my step one. My daughter is a songwriter, so she's very much the same. Uh, my other daughter, who's in university, when she's stressed out, she picks up her camera and goes into nature and takes some photos. Nature is healing. And I know in Canada, we have, you know, eight months of winter, it feels like, and it can be very difficult. And we want to drink in all of summer when we have it. But it's, you know, it's going outside in, in the evening and the sun is set and the stars are glistening and it's lightly snowing and you just go for a, a nice quiet nature walk in your community and watch the snow and look at the stars. I mean, it's little things and they become habits. And as soon as you start with the little things, you can start setting, setting aside time and go back to your breath. And so I started meditating, I used an app and I don't really need the app anymore, but I started noticing, I think all the time, right? And we believe our thoughts. And the thing is, our brain is like our heart. Our heart beats constantly and we don't think, okay, heart beat. Our brain thinks constantly, but we do say, okay, let's think about this. So sometimes you got to take a moment and go, okay, well, notice that space in between those thoughts. And that's where that kind of collective consciousness is. And that's where your healing begins. Because as soon as you start to detach yourself from the ability to be, you know, you're thinking, you know, it might be thinking about what to make for supper or when you have to pick up your kid. Um, But when you give yourself space, to kind of free yourself from your mind a bit, I would say that's when I do my best writing. That's when I do my best um, everything. When I come into a difficult situation, I go back to my breath. So my first go-to is my breath. Then it's my writing. It's, It's a collective. It's not just once and done. It's not one thing. It's a collection of good habits that you make. I wake up in the morning in gratitude. I thank myself, you know, I thank the universe for, I have another day here on this earth. I'm excited. And sometimes I reframe things. So you got to work on reframing your brain. Essentially what happens is when you've been traumatized, your, your brain is actually, it's different, especially in childhood. Uh, it ignites a uh, fight or flight. And so those neurotransmitters just go and they they instantly go towards each other and you've got to think about a negative thought like that that negative thought starts on the one part of your brain it lands on the part that's very used to receiving it well now you've got to reprogram your brain 
And that sounds impossible, but as science has proven with neuroplasticity, it's not. You can actually heal your traumatized brain through things like listening to podcasts, journaling, reading really good books, and being vulnerable with a safe person. Those, all those things and, and meditation, they've proven, they did um, a study on some monks and they were looking at different parts of the brain that are ignited when you meditate and your whole brain is lit up when you're in meditation in a good way, not in a thinking way, but more in like, they see a lot of activity, but in a, it, it's really interesting because Normally what happens when you're traumatized and you're stressed out and you're thinking about something, there's a certain part of your brain that's going to be ignited more and they'll see that light up, right? But only that. And so when you're at peace and you're meditating, it affects your whole brain, which then affects your whole body and you feel better. Mm, You gave us a lot of different um, techniques, a lot of different things that you can do. But what I'm really hearing here as the kind of the foundation of it all is that you learn, you need to learn what makes you, you, you know, who are you? What are the things that, you know, have traumatized you? What are the things that still, that you're still kind of triggered by? Who are you? Like, why do you feel how you do? And you can explore many, many different options to find the different ways that work for you. Diana's given you several different you know, things that work for her. And if you explore them all and you go into this process of personal growth and development and really commit to yourself to like really learning about what makes you, you, you will completely transform anything that you've been through and you can turn it into something truly beautiful. Oh, a hundred percent. I have a gift for you if you head to my website, but before you do, let me tell you why I'm so excited to give this to you. I have never really followed Arnold Schwarzenegger, but recently I came upon an interview done with him where he said, the most important thing is to have a vision and goals. If you do not, you're drifting around and will end up nowhere. That is something I know to be true and completely connect to. This man defied every odd and became Mr. Universe, a Hollywood superstar and a political leader. With a accomplishments like that, I think we should all listen to his advice. So I've continued studying the most successful people in the world and they all say the same thing. You must have a vision because when you know what you want, connect with why you want it, believe it can happen and take action steps towards it regularly, it will surely happen. I know this is truth in my own life. As a matter of fact, I have four vision boards in my office right now. And every time I look at those pictures, I become motivated and inspired to keep moving forward. It is absolutely incredible to see how many things have been realized. There are things that I put on there that when I did, I never thought they were possible. And now they are done. This really works. My goal in offering you the free DIY vision board starter kit is to help you live the life of your dreams. Stop drifting around and take the lead on your life, beginning with a vision that inspires you. Head to corliss.ca to claim your free step-by-step guide right now. So, okay, let's, let's talk about your book. I love your book as everybody knows already that I've shared in the, you know, even in the intro of this podcast, because I really do love your book. I think there's so much wisdom inside of it and I'm excited for everybody to read it. Tell us about your journey about writing a book, because it's a very vulnerable thing to know to do. I know that because I've had that experience and you share in such a personal way. And it's just so beautiful that it it connected right to my heart. And I know it will for the listeners as well. Tell us about the process to get you there to like being a published author and sharing your story in such a, such a raw and real way. Well, it was a 25 year journey to get silently said. into. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Again, I had to deal with my trauma before I could allow myself to be as extremely vulnerable as I was in this book. As you said, it kind of tugs at your heart. And if it tugs at yours, you can imagine um, the pain that all went into this, but yet this, I knew was my soul's journey. It was my purpose. Um, you know, you talk a lot about purpose. It's kind of your mantra. This is my soul's purpose. I knew it. There were a couple stories that people did not know in my life that it, 
I decided to publish their very vulnerable experiences. And I didn't tell some people until pretty much it was printed and on the shelf. And I put them in there because I felt like people could really grow from it. So there's, there's two things. My first one was I put it out there in those chapters out there, particularly chapter 23, uh, to help heal people and to help heal me. But I also realized that if I didn't put it out there, that that was more ego-based because I was worried about judgment. But it was part of my story. So in being authentic to what I knew I needed to do, I had to do it. So it was extremely scary and brave. Um, I wrote it and wrote it. I was living in St. Brew for a while. I wrote it there. I found my original manuscript, but I always, like I said, I always picked up a pen when I was younger as a way to help me get everything on paper. And once I put things on paper, this has always been something I've done is that it's true to me. Right. So if I just think about it in my head, um, I can try and go, okay, well, no, it wasn't that bad. Right. But if I put it on paper, that's my honest account of how it all went down. Now, keep in mind, everybody has a different brain. So the way that we interpret things and depending on what our trauma is and what we've been through, everybody's lens is a little bit different in their eyes. So this is my journey. Um, like I said, took 25 years to get there, but as I said, I needed to get through all of kind of my, my junk that I was carrying around and lugging around to allow me to be brave enough and to be vulnerable enough with everybody. Cause I knew that that's what this book deserved. And you certainly, uh, there's like a, a certain level that I could sense in your journey reading it. I really mean that. I would actually, I know we didn't discuss this as part of the podcast, so I'm hoping that it's something you're comfortable to share with, but that word ego, that three letter word is, is really big. And I think it dominates a lot of our world today. And a lot of people, and I think it's also a word that we don't fully understand. So can you just talk from your perspective, you know, what that word means and what the difference is between standing in your glory and truth versus ego. So when you're in your own truth, like you had mentioned a few minutes back about, you know, doing things from a place that you feel good about. And I think when you're doing it from your sole purpose, you always know. And ego would be when I'm out and I'm doing a book signing and people say, Oh, it's so great. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Right. Um, that's not who I am. That's not how I roll. Ego is to some people, I think it was Oprah who described it as edge God out. Um, Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about the ego. It's kind of a facade. It's kind of a, it's, it's a persona we put out in the world to safeguard who we truly are because we don't want to be hurt and ego in the driver's seat with fear riding shotgun. You're pretty much, you know, you're headed for, a lot of chaos, which is how I lived for a long time. And when you're around someone with a big ego, you always know it. And so I think one of the biggest things that I was taught is to be humble. And so humble to me isn't discrediting the work that you've done, because you know, you can think, okay, that's a good attribute to have is to be humble. And it is, but it's with a grace. I, I prefer the word grace. So Grace is you allow yourself to make mistakes. And it's funny because I had to re-edit my book. There was one person that, you know, pointed out some of the errors, which is fine. And I've got it all fixed up now. And, you know, they were like, oh, and they kind of went on a tirade about my editor and I was hurt and my ego was hurt. And then I've got this out in the world and I was embarrassed. And then I go, you know what? We're not perfect. We are not perfect and that's okay. So I forgave myself. I, and I, in fact, asked that person to edit my book just to go through it and find the mistakes. There was only a few, but that person chose to fixate on those. And I chose to learn and grow from that. So when you look at ego, I mean, I could let that hurt me and never talk to that person again and be embarrassed or I could let that humble me and find some grace for the other person and go, you know what, if we can fix those little mistakes up, then it's going to be perfect. And I felt good about that. So again, retrain your brain. 
And if ego is in the driver's seat, you always feel it when someone comes at you with criticism or with how great they are, that really turns a lot of people off. So it's kind of finding that sweet spot, which I call grace, where you know you're doing the work, but you're not in it for the attention and accolades. You're in it because it is actually who you are. Like you said, learning who we are. And when you learn who you are, you do the things you know that align with who you are. <laughs> There's two stories that keep coming to mind. One is really funny. It's actually a picture that I came across. I don't even know on my feed somewhere. And <laughs> it was a picture of two mountain climbers. And it, it was like, these mountain climbers are like exhausted. They're just at the top, like they're at the peak. And the the top one is just grabbing onto the top of the mountain about to, you know, get up onto the top. And the one, the second climber is right behind and goes to reach to grab for help and, and grabs onto their pants and reveals their bare bum. <laughs> and, and it said the, the saying beside it said, uh, just when you thought you had it figured out, this is the universe keeping you humble. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> like, and I was like, that is, that is, that is the epitome of like ego and how it will keep you humble. It will actually knock you to your feet if you're not careful, if you're coming from the wrong place. Even if you start the journey with humble intentions, if you get off track, the universe will put you back in line so that you realign with something bigger and better. You know, I was at uh, Tony Robbins and as a speaker, I, I mean, he said it in passing and it wasn't even a part of the program, but it really spoke to me because he just kind of said it. And because I was going to be going and doing all these speaking presentations, he said, uh, hey, anybody who's a speaker in the room, if you're in your head, you're dead. I have advice for you. If you're in your head, you're dead. And of course, that fully got my attention. And I tuned into it because, of course, as a speaker, I wanted to know what he meant. And he said, if you go onto a stage and you present and you worry about how you look and what you're doing, and what you're saying, you are in your head and you're going to be dead. It'll fall dead on the ears of the audience. He said, instead, you always want to go out there from a service place of, you know, what do they need to hear? What do I need to say to them that's going to support them? And when you do that, you get your entire ego out of the way. And that just holds so true for me in so many ways. And I carry that with me because I know as a speaker, it's never about me. It's completely about the audience. Just like the podcast, it's not about me. It's about you, the listeners who want to learn from these incredible guests like Diana. So when you, when we're talking about ego, everything that you said is so beautiful, Diana. And it's just, it, it actually just makes me want to hang out with you, honestly, and have conversations like this all the time, because you are, you have elevated yourself to really understand, you know, that ego really can't be present when you're aligned with service and you come from that place. I agree. I've done some speaking events recently. And my one friend is like, Hey, well, did you pick up a chapter that you're going to read? And I'm like, no. And she's like, oh my goodness. And she was kind of frantic and I was not. And so uh, I did the school event and I did three different groups of teenagers. And then I did another event. And then I did last night's event and I just go with my gut. And mm -hmm. so one thing I've really learned through this whole process, because the, the book is all from my, my heart and in, in my soul alignment is that when you are doing things that are the intention is to serve others, to help others, then it's going to come, right? So you got to trust that whatever chapter you're meant to share, it'll come to you. So I read a couple different chapters to different groups. I felt the room, like my mom and sister were nonverbal. Uh, when they got sick, their voice got taken away from them. And I always say, I come as one and I speak as three because their voices were taken, mine is stronger. And in that, because they were nonverbal, I got to sit with their energy and I had to figure out what they needed. So my, I want to say gut instinct or sixth sense is very strong. And that has allowed me to read an audience before I even say a word to them. 
Um, and then I just go to my book and I think for a minute, I go, okay, what is it that the audience needs to hear? And then I go to my a chapter and I read a, a, you know, a portion of it. They're short chapters. It's a fast read, really. Um, and I go from my heart. And when you're serving from your heart, it's a beautiful feeling. Like, yes, it can be a little bit tiring, Um, it can be a little bit mentally draining, but like you said, you need to give yourself some time to rest. And I think in a society where we sit in judgment, if someone isn't busy doing something, we think, oh, you know, you just laid around all day. We even tell ourselves that, you know, you just binged watch something on a series on TV, but if you needed to rest, you needed to rest and that's okay. You got to allow space for you to figure out who you are. And sometimes that's, you got to get quiet. Hmm. Come as one and speak as three. That's so profound and so beautiful. Thank you. You'll fully understand that when you read her book. You know, I have the three closing questions. And like I already said, you and I, we could talk all day. I love every conversation that I have with you, Diana. But I have a burning question I have to ask you before we go into the three closing questions. Because I really, as a matter of fact, as I get older and the more I learn people's stories, the more I, it is confirmed in me that we are all influencers and that we're all leading because leadership is, is really connected to influence and being an example. And when we, you know, the, who we are, how we show up, the words we say, it influences everyone around us everywhere in our homes, careers, communities, everywhere that we are, it does. So with you transforming your, your trauma and, you know, teaching us today how to do the same. How do you feel that will, by doing that, it will impact the people around us? Well, I think I've seen that in my children the most. Because as I, when my sister passed away in 2013, I went into a year-long grief journey. I would only go pretty much from my house to work and back. Um, and my children were eight years old and they watched me go through all of that pain. And then I know that when I sat in that, I was very lost. And so I started digging into books like actually Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth, The Power of Now, um, some of Byron Katie's work, which is pretty deep. A lot of it's very deep, but I felt like what I went through was significantly traumatizing enough that I had to go to some pretty deep places in myself. And now I watch my kids who both moved out because I've got twin girls who are 18 and I see what they're doing. And I see that like, it's beautiful. They go to podcasts. My one daughter is actually taking a gap year and she's working and her job is kind of, you know, it's, it's a good job and it pays really well, but she could get bored easily. So she puts her earbuds on and she's listening to podcasts and she's listening to some audio books. Um, and my daughter, Julia, is really into reading. So she sits there with books and she's read, I think it was Dr. Perry and Oprah did a book about trauma. And she's like, wow, you know, like, it's so interesting. And it's the it's watching that next generation and seeing. And when I was with those high school kids and I'm talking to them about my trauma, I could pretty much pick out in the room who had some sort of significant trauma event happening or happened in their life. And it was really resonating with the kids because nobody was on their phones. So when you have raw, honest, raw, real conversations with the next generation, you can see that they want to talk about it. And so I would say that our generation has really shifted how we talk to our kids. And I mean, I also know that my kids don't tell me everything. That's a typical thing between parents and children. But I, I watch them and go, okay, well, they've got tools in their toolbox. Whereas, you know, I left home and I went straight to a bookstore 
And I bought two books to try and help me figure out how to cope with my dad's alcoholism and deal with my trauma. I knew that this was not <laughs> whatever had happened in that house could not be passed on to the next generation. You're one decision away from a completely different life. And at 18, I made, you know, a small step. Um, and if you can't afford the book, go to the library. The libraries are amazing. So I watched these kids and I think that that's the impact that I want to leave is with that next generation. Cause I'm now starting to tour in some schools and they're actually looking at bringing my book into uh, some school divisions as curriculum and English language arts. Mm, incredible. What an inspiration that is for everyone that's listening, Diana. Thank you. And thank you. I've, I happen to know your children and I happen to know that you have influenced them. You've taken the pain and the trauma and the suffering that you've gone through. You've used it to empower yourself to become better as a human being and to put your ego aside and share the stories and the wisdom associated with going through those experiences and even bringing your daughters. I remember bringing your, you brought your daughters to a conference that I held like incredible leadership you demonstrated for them. And it all began with you stepping into that yourself and really owning, you know, this is my life. This is, this is the story, you know, how can I use it to transform my life and the lives of those around us? Thank you so much for leading. Incredible. Thank you. So where can people connect with you? If they want to reach out, where can they connect with you? So they can connect with me on Facebook. It's just Diana, author Diana Lee. Um, my website is authordianalee.com. Um, I am on Amazon, Indigo, there's all kinds of places to buy my book. If you get onto my website, I've got links on there. Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram, just author Diana Lee, just look me up. And there is another Diana Lee author. My, my pen name is Diana Lee because my middle name's Lee and my favorite author is Harper Lee who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. And I used to not really like my middle name, but now I'm kind of owning it and I really enjoy it. Cloning's a little harder for people to say and spell. So I thought Lee is simple. Keep it simple. Oh, I didn't know that about your story. And I also didn't know that your middle name, that you didn't love it. I, my middle name, Helen, I can't say I ever really liked that name either. And it was actually when my grandma passed away. And I was assuming, you know, my new identity of like stepping into like writing my book and, you know, being a public figure that I actually decided that I wanted to convert a lot of my stuff to Corliss Helen after my grandma. And, you know, when my grandma was passing away, she, we had to clean out her apartment and she was so insistent. She kept saying, did you get the lamp? There's a lamp that I had given her apparently. I didn't remember giving it to her, but she did. And she was like, did you get the lamp? You bought it. You should get it back. So the next day I went to see her and she said, did you get the lamp? And I said, yes, grandma, I did. I've got the lamp. And I said, you know what's so unreal about that lamp, grandma, is I needed a lamp. I didn't even realize I did. But now every time I turn it on, it's like you're shining a light for us. That's beautiful. <laughs> see, there's so much meaning. There is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. You know, the next step to that, um, if you look up what the meaning of Helen is, it means bearer of light. <laughs> well, that's why you needed the lamp, because she still needed to show that she was shining with you. It truly, truly. And I, I feel that all the time. So I didn't know that part of your story about the, the your middle name. And I didn't realize it's one more thing that connects us. So thank you. Thank you for... Um, for being who you are. It's, it's honestly just incredible. It's so incredible to be in your presence. So three closing questions. Let's, um, let's fire away on those. What does leadership mean to you? Leadership means knowing who you are and standing in that place and showing people through service who they can be. Um, it's it's essentially like, I don't, I'm a leader at my office and I don't tell people what to do. I dig in and do it with them. It's getting in the trenches with your same people because I'm no higher or lower. I have a different title, but that doesn't give me the right to have my ego in the driver's seat. So leadership is being brave enough to surround yourself with people who are amazing in different areas that might be your weakness. 
Hmm. Excellent. Awesome. I happen to agree. Not surprising, probably. <laughs> um, you've mentioned many books throughout the podcast that you, I know you're an avid reader, obviously, as an author yourself. But if there was one life-changing book, like one that you really feel like everybody needs to to, to dig dig into, to really like learn to understand and process transforming their pain and trauma, what would you suggest? Definitely A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. He teaches you that you are not your story. Your story is part of your human journey, but that we all have a thread of connectedness throughout. And that's probably why we really resonate with very real and raw, honest accounts that people share with us. So definitely, yeah, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. He actually Mm. lives in Vancouver. Oh, cool. That is so cool. All right. And the final, final closing question, based on all of the highs and all of the lows and everything you've experienced in your life, if you could leave just one piece of final advice, what would it be? So I go to the quote by Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So sometimes we, we don't know, we don't know any better. Um, And then when we learn through different books, podcasts, you know, whatever people, uh, we do better. And I think that we also have to learn how to forgive ourselves because we're our harshest critics. Uh, The world will, you know, show you who they want you to be, but you need to be who you are. And there's a difference there. So in forgiving yourself, you release you know, all those labels and judgments of others. I don't, it's funny. I was having a conversation with my mother-in-law's best friend, lovely lady. And she's like, weren't you worried about this person's judgment and this person's judgment? And I thought, you know what, since I released the book, I haven't cared what anybody thought of it. (laughs) If you liked it, great. If you didn't like it, that's okay. It's, Mm -hmm. that's not up to me to determine that's, that's your personal choice. And I'm not going to take that away from you. So Know that wherever things land uh, for someone else is theirs. Life is always a mirror. You will get back what you put out. And we know this. So I'm I'm just genuinely putting out this book uh, because it's part of my soul healing journey. And if it happens to align with something that resonates in you, that's beautiful. But the purpose is, yeah, the ripple effect of helping people. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for leading. Thank you for having me, Corliss. This has been fun and you're graceful as always. I appreciate um, you having me. You're very welcome. Take care, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.